from the big screen to the small screen and everything in between. This is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Screeners Podcast. My name's Chris. This is Chad. Melody. And Josh. And we're back yet again to talk all things media. Hey, guys, guess what? Our episode tonight is brought to you by IndieBox at theindiebox.com. It's the best independent video games you can get. Retro-style collector's edition boxes with all the goodies delivered to your door every single month. And we're excited to have them as one of our very first sponsors here on the Screeners Podcast. So I'd really like to thank them for providing our web hosting and all the other magic sauce that it takes to make this podcast possible. Thanks, guys. Don't forget, we love to hear from our fans. You know, as our high school history teacher used to say, if you have any questions, comments, or cries of outrage, let us know. Head over to our website, screenerspodcast.com, leave us a comment, or even better, go to Facebook. And, uh, and like us there. There's no excuse. We're literally everywhere on the internet. All right, now that we've got that out of the way, let's dive into Jump Cuts. Jump Cuts is our lightning round segment. As you know, we get 60 seconds each to answer a question about a current topic in media or news. And if we go over, you will hear this sound. All right, let's get right into it. All right, guys, so there's a new option for do-your-own distribution for content creators. So whether you're creating a music album, a movie, uh, you've developed a television series that you'd like to sell over the length of an entire season to your uh, to your audience, you've got a new option. Uh, and it was just actually open to everyone uh, at the South by Southwest conference just a few weeks ago. And the name of the service is called VHX. And they're a direct-to-fan distribution platform that is built for premium video audio or other kinds of media. And so it's really exciting to live in this world where you can literally be your own film company, distribution, you can handle everything in-house and it's pretty exciting. There's a lot of different options now, but I wanted to chat a little bit about this particular service, if we're excited about it and excited about what the future is of web distribution, digital distribution, and giving folks options. So, Chad, what do you think about VHX, man? I'm not exactly sure how excited a lot of the general public is going to be about this specific news, but I know for me and for uh, probably you guys as well, I know we haven't talked about it, this yeah. is very, very very exciting news. Uh, we've all worked uh, in, at various times in our past in the field of, of production, specifically film and video production. And But one of the great ceilings has always been distribution. Like even if you had a great piece of art, if you can't get it in front of people, you know, what good is it? Yep. And so with the combination of the internet and now this platform, I am super, super excited just from the standpoint of, you know, we've actually had conversations recently about writing some scripts and, you know, hopefully making some things just because we know that there is going to be a way that we can get this in front of in front of people and we don't have to get it in front of millions of people if it's just a few hundred it's still awesome so i i could not be more excited about this and i think it'll be interesting for the user too to be able to have more options and more choice than just you know the same old stuff that we get a lot of times from hollywood anyway so for me you know thumbs up i'm, I'm super pumped yeah absolutely all right uh, melody what do you think about this yeah, my answer is basically the same. I think um, looking at it from just a, a consumer, a user, it, it doesn't you know do a lot for me at this point. But from a content creator's perspective, it's super exciting. Um, and I think after my 
my latest foray into learning the the book industry from a do-it-yourself perspective and learning the distribution that's available um, online with with ebooks and all of that sort of thing. I think um, having the same capabilities for for video content is going to be awesome, um, and I definitely think that it will spark us to to create a lot of content that we've kind of always talked about doing. And now with these avenues of distribution, it makes it make a lot more sense. Like Chad was saying, I think even getting it just to a few hundred people is a opportunity to create some profit. Um, whereas before when we've done video podcasts, there wasn't necessarily a way to create profit with it, but now there will be. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. I was almost done. <laughs> All right, let's move on. And Josh, what do you think? Okay, I, I think it's good news in general, but I think our commentary so far has kind of missed an important part of it. Um, it is it is time we had a real player in the self you know self distribution space. But the the real issue is marketing support. And as one of the commenters on the article points out. Uh, distribution, especially if you don't want to add DRM to your stuff, distribution is easy because all you need is an FTP server. What we really need as content creators to get in front of people is a marketplace that consumers actually know about with films that people want to see because the films themselves also have marketing support and have some way to get out there and build buzz somehow. Now, if VHX can turn into kind of a social platform for sharing and discussing independent content, and maybe it has, you know, trailer functionality, and if it has really good search support. (laughs) (laughs) I like what you're saying, Josh. I'll let you, I, I would vote for you to finish. Yeah, finish. Go ahead and continue. We, we've decided to give you a few more, few more seconds, a few more All precious right, awesome. seconds. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you to the the academy. You're welcome. No, I really was on my last sentence though. If it if the marketplace turns into something that has good marketing support and has good search capability, so that people can find things they're interested in, kind of like Netflix recommendation engine, then I think we really have something on our hands here, and this is going to be this could be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chris, and I see the rest okay. of my time I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So here's what, why I'm excited about this is because it's not just as easy as having an FTP server, especially if you're doing something like a subscription-based thing where you've got a series of television shows or something else you want to give on a regular scheduled basis. Um, there's a lot of background stuff that you just can't do on your own unless you have a lot of previous knowledge, understand how all that stuff works. VHS take, VHX takes care of all that, and I think it's a good kind of second step when you do like a Kickstarter campaign or something else where you've done marketing. Obviously, that's a separate thing. This is distribution. It's always been difficult. Distribution is always the most uh, difficult thing to find a way to get uh, your content to somebody and allow them to see it on a reliable easy basis. And so that's why I'm excited about this is because you can you can subscribe, you've got a whole back end that you don't have to build yourself. It's just an exciting platform that I think we didn't have before built and designed specifically for content creators. So that's why I'm excited. It's pretty cool. Number two. All right. My next article comes from the annals of current controversy. <laughs> because the new Fantastic Four cast has been announced. Oh, has and it? In case anyone cares about the new Fantastic Four <laughs> cast. Woohoo! 
Nobody. I don't. I don't is anybody? Yeah, yeah, I don't I think like so. Fantastic well, Four. The Come on, guys. Twitter cares. Twitter cares. And oh, see why? Of course, of course. <laughs> the Twitter. I got gotcha. you. The Twitter. The Twitters are all uh, a buzz. You thought I was going to say something else? Yeah, I did. <laughs> all right. So on to the question. Fantastic Forecast is Kate Mara as Susan Storm, Michael Teller as Reed Richards, Jamie Bell as Ben Grimm. And Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm. Michael <gasps> B. Jordan, not the basketball player, the actor from Parenthood and a few other things. Wait, what? It's not Michael Jordan? Michael no, Jordan? not the Michael Jordan. But, <laughs> however... Now I'm mad. This Michael Jordan shares the same race as the basketball player. And oh. that is a problem for some people because mm. Johnny Storm is supposedly white. So Hollywood's got this proud history of whitewashing roles... And this is kind of a reversal on that. And they're taking a character who is white and casting a black person. And some people have a problem with this and some people don't. Mm. So I'm wondering what everyone's opinion on this is because here at the screeners, we are all about baiting controversy. Right. So, <laughs> Melody, what do you think of this? Well, um, I'm not sure I've completely figured out my, my perspective on this one as a, as a larger question. Um, but for the Fantastic Four movie, I really don't care. Uh, the property isn't close to my heart, so um, I don't have a distinct image in my mind of what that character looks like. I mean, I know I know what he looks like, but it's not like, you know, he's. I grew up loving Johnny Storm or whatever, so I don't have a distinct image in my head. Um, I read through the other points in the article of characters that were that were played by actors of a different race. Um, they were giving other examples of, of that happening in Hollywood. And I can't say any of them really annoyed me all that much. Um, maybe like Johnny Depp playing Tonto. Cause, um, I think that is one that I do have a specific picture in my mind, um, of, of a native American. And that I thought it was a little weird that Johnny Depp played him, but Johnny Depp is a little weird. So whatever. Uh, I think, I guess my answer to the overall question of of a different race um, playing a certain character, I think it would only bother me if the race of the character was essential to their identity as it relates to the story or or if it's based on a real person. Um, so, like, Fantastic Four, not important. Um, Katniss Everdeen, not important to me. Like, I know she looked a certain way in the book and maybe it wasn't that exact way in the movie. Um, the guys in 21, like maybe that's more crossing the line because I guess they were based on, I don't Asian even know Americans. what country. Yeah, Asian Americans. I don't know what country they were from, but in the movie they were all white. So maybe that's more crossing the line since they're based on real people. But I don't know. I, I guess usually I would say that does not bother me. I see. I went out of the order we'd agreed upon beforehand for this. So That's let's right. fix that. Chris. We, we, we always say that you kind of, you know, switch things up, Josh. So I do. Okay. I got to keep it fresh. Keeping it fresh. We I rolled with it. I just rolled with it. it. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well done. All right. Okay. So uh, I'm sorry. Were you going to ask me the uh, question or are you just, you want me just to tell you? I, I did, but, Chris. but then you kept talking. So. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that was part of your response. And it you was. Now have 30 seconds. Yeah, your time's already rolling, buddy. Okay. So anyway, I had, you know, I was not keeping track of Mel time I let her go that time everybody yeah I was right. waiting for someone Thank to stop you. me but Thank nobody stopped much. me all right here I go talking and talking so I always say oh, hire the best actor for the role the thing that's interesting about this is they're gonna have to obviously change his background story a little bit I guess maybe he was uh, adopted by his family because he's actually supposed to be Susan Storm's 
brother, if I'm not mistaken. And Kate Mara, sure. as far as I know, is white. Um, so they're going to have to you know, change the backstory. I don't have a problem with that. I think it's fine. I think Samuel L. Jackson playing uh, Nick Fury, he's perfect for that role. I don't have an issue with that as long as they don't make it you know, just really strange that they don't address the fact that they're brother and sister and somehow, uh, you know, they're from different, you know, uh, races. So anyway, that, that's, I think the, the biggest issue for purists is that they're coming from that background and saying, well, no, it's supposed to be blah, 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 an episode for la, 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 and issue two, whatever. I'll, I don't have a problem as long as episode he's for la, la, la. Father, the Christmas episode. <laughs> la, 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 la. I, I'm just saying, if he's a better actor, if, if if they've gone with the better actor, I'm happy. Just uh, under the buzzer. All right, Chad, what about you? Well, I, I think the controversy shocker is uh, overblown at, by the internet. <laughs> I know that never no. happens. It is interesting, at least. It is at least interesting to think about the fact that Hollywood does have a long, 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 long history of the quote-unquote whitewashing of characters right. and with to, to no, no controversy. And then as soon as something like this happens, uh, the other direction, there is an immediate controversy. I find that interesting socially. But the bigger thing, the bigger problem that I have, I guess if I have a problem, and I tend to agree with Chris, if they're a great actor, I'm down for it, whatever. But it seems that Hollywood has changed uh, ethnicity in characters when they there was no obvious gain to doing so. Maybe it was just their perception that everybody needs to be white for some strange reason. Like in, in Avatar, for sure, you had Ong and Katara and all them that, that all those that were completely changed. I don't know that they gained anything from that. So. I don't understand that perspective of it, and it it maybe bothers me a little bit that it does change canon. And, and I know that sounds a little silly, but if it's something like if Superman all of a sudden is Asian, for example, they have to reintroduce his entire story of where right. he came from. And so that that becomes an issue to me, I think, when there is an established kind of story that uh, is altered. But it's it, I'm with you guys. It's kind of hard to get riled up about it it's a little silly too because we haven't actually seen the movie yet so we don't know right. what you know what the reasons are maybe there's a really good reason and we're all like oh boy now we feel stupid who knows sure i like michael b jordan as an actor i think he's done some some good work i think he'll be great I, that's not the issue at all it just sure sure you know something to think about what about you josh yeah after hearing all hearing what you three had to say about it i really have nothing else left to add um i agree that hollywood has a racist history and this is some kind of strange atonement for it but at the same time it is changing the story and while i could care less about the story if you're going to make a comic book movie you might as well stick to the backstory can i just ask real quick sorry josh i don't mean to interrupt you because i think you said something interesting you said do you honestly think that's the reason why they're doing this is to atone for that like that that was an interesting way that you put that i'm just curious i i don't want to ascribe motivation i was i was just saying that this kind of serves as a as a strange little token in that direction which right, Hollywood is fond of doing. Right. Sure. I think sure. it's more from the standpoint of he's probably the best choice for the role and it gets people talking about the Fantastic 4. That's probably <laughs> yeah, true. And I think and you're who right. would in any I, other you know, I, I any genuinely other I genuinely believe that cuz I think the interesting thing was if you guys remember just a few short years ago they were talking about you know, the new uh, Spider-Man. Uh, and uh, there for a while, the actor on Community, I don't even know his name, there was a big, right. you know, uh, push, the, the African-American actor. Troy Barnes on, on Dan- Community. Yeah. Daniel Glover. Yeah, Daniel Glover to be Spider-Man. That did not happen. And I I've, I have a feeling that somebody in, in a boardroom someplace said, you know what we should do? 
is we should actually cast an African-American in this movie and maybe we'll get that same buzz. And I feel like they are. <laughs> like I feel like this sure. was, as you're mm-hmm. saying, a marketing technique that they knew what people already wanted and already had experience with and are gobbling this up. Because like yeah. you said, we're talking about it. But I wouldn't, it, even, be, I wouldn't it, even care. Right. It shouldn't be seen as a slam against Michael Jordan, though, because he is a, not he's even, a good not actor. Even, no, no, no. Not even a I little. Really, I like him. It Excited. is a way to drum up publicity. I mean, no one wanted him to remake Spider-Man. How much less no. do we want him to remake Fantastic Four? Very little. I, I, th- unless they do something interesting, which maybe they are, and that's why I'm a little excited, and, and I feel like this maybe even is worth talking about because of the fact that they seem to be maybe doing something different. And if that's the case, rather than just like, and again, like I don't mean just like the color of skin, I hope that they're actually genuinely going to do something different. And if they are, that's exciting. Buzz on all of us. Buzz. Yes. Buzz. All right, my question for this week, I'm a little bit afraid to uh, bring it to you guys because it may re-spark the great piracy debates that we have become famous for on the screeners. It but, may, it may. Uh, yes, hi-ho, hi-ho. yes, there is a buzzer, so just remember that, okay? But here is the deal. There is a new uh, website called Popcorn Time, and basically it is the new Napster for video piracy. It is basically it makes watching pirated movies as easy as firing up Netflix. Everything is free. Uh, there's no mess. You just press play. Uh, the article uh, here says that basically it's easy. It's just as easy to watch pirated content um, as it was to download songs on Napster. And um, apparently, at least according to Popcorn Time, it's legal. And so uh, my question to you guys is basically, what do you think of it? Uh, let's start with Josh. Well, I, I don't want to be contradictory, but let me clear a couple things up here. Um, first, it's not new. It's been around for a little while, and the developers had a legal scare and dropped it, and now they're back. Second, it's not legal. They make you <laughs> agree to it. Dis- yeah, at all. They they pop up this disclaimer when you first start that basically you're agreeing, yeah, I know I'm breaking the law, but I, I don't care. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm responsible for breaking the law. <laughs> exactly. That, and that's that's all this is. Napster got shut down because they had all the stuff stored centrally and torrenting is based on everyone is guilty and you can't hunt us all down, right. which that's, right. you know, half true, partially debatable. So anyway, when I first read about this, I was kind of surprised it hadn't happened already, but then I thought about it a little more and I'm kind of surprised it did happen because won't making torrenting even more accessible than it already was which it wasn't hard as long as you were kind of familiar with the internet yeah but won't making it more accessible just inspire the mpaa to do to commit resources to what the ria did and just start sending out individual lawsuits to individual pirates i mean actually not the mpaa has been litigious in the past and i heard of cease and desists and punishments from them before the RIA lawsuits ever started, but it wasn't as big of a scale because we didn't have the bandwidth to pirate movies as quickly. Exactly. And now we do. And so I I think this is just inviting individual litigation Mm -hmm. and I don't use it, but at the same time, the big distributors should really just take the hint and make stuff available wherever people want to watch it when (gasps) they want to watch it. Josh! Make the legal way. Make the legal way as accessible as way. this, and it's make, a win-win. Oh my, Josh, exactly. you make so much sense, but my when friend. You, 
Cut off the hydra's head, two more will grow in its place. Yep. And, and that, I'm done. That's oh, it. it's going to be a good one, boys. Oh, good. Well, let's hear what Chris has to say about it. You know, honestly, no, let I don't... me guess. <laughs> no, no. I honestly don't have any much more to add. I totally agree with Josh. You've got to make the easy way the way you pay and do it legally. And if this is the easiest way people are getting their stuff, they're going to continue to have issues and problems, and the MPA is going to scream to high heaven. So I, I totally agree with Josh. This is a problem, and they need to seek a solution quickly because people will always go path of least resistance. This is pretty simple. This is like as easy as it possibly can get. And, uh, yeah, they're going to continue to have issues like this unless the industry changes completely as a whole and, uh, and gets it together. So I'm actually, I'm really interested to see what the next step is going to be. I hope, I hope it is them realizing that they, uh, they need to change. All right, Chad, what do you have to say about it? I agree. The path of least resistance is definitely, you know, it doesn't matter if it's stealing, doesn't matter whatever, if it's easier, I want to do it. Right. So exactly. It's easier for me to steal a pack of gum than to pay for it. So we should just all do it because it's a lot easier. That is the biggest red herring. I just, I understand people's desire to have what they want when they want and your generation in particular is particularly bad about that bad about that you young kids and your rock and roll music wow (laughs) but i agree there's no doubt hollywood has to rethink their distribution model but the biggest problem that they have is that i i don't know what the way is to stop somebody if they release day and date when a new theatrical release comes out to stop somebody from paying the 10 bucks or even the 20 bucks for a house or whatever and then stacking it you know on college in a college dorm or having you know five couples over or whatever that's potential revenue lost for the theater owner that would sell concessions and the the studios that would get per ticket head charges so it's not just an apples to apples of if they made it available the money would work out because it's not that's not exactly how it would work so but this one's just going to be long so that's fine we're gonna we're gonna talk about it so anyway it is extremely tempting to know that right now I could get online and be watching what's in the theater right now at no cost. I mean, I I freaking love movies. So it's extremely tempting to do that. So, But I have to just be a mature adult and not steal. And don't Absolutely. Do, and, and don't do that. And, and, I, and, and I don't, and I don't, but my biggest, my only pushback here is, and I don't disagree with you guys, it's funny that we argue about it, but I don't think that just making it available and easy to get to is going to solve the problem of the lost revenue between the, theat- between the theatrical release and the home release. Eventually it may come to that where they have to do it anyway, but it's not just a light switch. There's, it's more nuanced than that, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. And again, I think what our argument is, is that, of course, things are going to have to change. It's going to be uncomfortable for a little while, but there is a way... Again, like you've got to get someone like Josh to say, I should go see this movie in the theater because it's so much better in this way. And if theater owners do that, then I feel like you will get them in the theater for, for people who are going to pay for it anyway. I, you know, the, the, the idea that people are going to steal, you're going to steal. There, there are people who will go in and steal that pack of gum no matter what you do. But right. law abiding citizens who want to do the right thing want to do the right thing. Which but they do also, not constitute the majority of the users on popcorn. Oh, I totally agree. And I mean, obviously, that's <laughs> why I would never. I, that, that, right. That's the point. I, I feel like it's, it's an important thing to discuss to say what does a theater owner, what does a distribution company, what does a filmmaker have to do for you to say there's value in me sitting in a butt and watching it in the theater, there's value in me paying for it, there's value in me doing it. And if they're doing their jobs, I agree with that. I we totally will. Agree. I totally agree. Those are, those are two separate things for me. 
there's there's value in me seeing and paying for your movie is much different from there's value in me going to a theater. I will always yes. avoid the theater experience if I can. I know. Unless, <laughs> except for a very certain type of movie. And, and that was my point, Josh, is that there's got to be, there, there are a couple of, you know, uh, little check boxes that if they hit, they will have you in the theater. And if and and and, and again, if that may be a certain filmmaker, that may be a certain uh, genre, whatever it may the case might be. But there are ways of getting us the moving going public, and not necessarily your demographic, Josh, but the most of these people who are stealing. If they made it attractive enough, I I feel like they would say, "Wow, you know what? This is a real crappy low because all this is low res stuff. This is." super SD. This is not HD nice. This is all like really low res, not great looking stuff. If if they got it to the point where people were like, this is really a crappy experience. I want to go over here so I get the right thing. If they're doing it right, they could get those butts in the seats and uh, and, and maybe making money. I mean, I, I, there's a way of doing it. There really is. Well, they're making money. This uh, 2013 was a, a record year for the box office industry. So I what, mean, are, they, at, at what the, are they arguing about then? Well, we're just let, arguing. Let popcorn time, let popcorn time be then. Okay. No, that's, no, that's don't let popcorn idea. time be. Speaking no, of Melody, not, what do you yeah. have to say about yeah, this? Yeah, thanks, Josh. Chris just go ahead, went ahead and took my turn. Just went ahead and took another 60 you. seconds instead of you. letting me talk. But okay. I think, like, I don't think that you can just let popcorn time go. I, I do think that that is, like, clearly illegal, clearly course, wrong. But but I do think that is good in that hopefully it will change the industry just like Napster changed the music industry. Yeah, the music industry took a hit, but now, you know, it's it's better. It's it's modern and it's the way that people want the content. And I think that this is the way that people want the content. And I there there's got to be some like line between not having new movies available at all for like months after their theater release and and pirating them like can't there be like a later release or a or a lower res quality release or something like that i just feel like it can adapt and it should adapt and so maybe this will help it adapt and that'd be grand sure i think a shorter release window could definitely fix a lot of the problem um and you can't ever count out the teenagers because you know kids that are dating and even young young people going to the theater is a large part of their social exactly. existence. They're not going to want to just, you know, hang out at their at their apartment every weekend. So Exactly. I think a lot of the movie lovers are still going to go to the theater. Like we're we're still going to go to the theater, but there might right. be movies that I wouldn't have gone to the theater to see that I would like to see sooner than I can see them. That's that, all. That's, that's all. true. For people like me, the Hollywood would make more money because there are right. movies that I no would doubt. not see in a theater, but there are movies that I don't, you know, it's a oh, Saturday Chad. afternoon. I'll I'll drop down ten bucks to watch whatever. So yep, yeah, Chad, you and work. I agree. We agree. This is amazing. What a wonderful day. And let's end it there. For our fourth jump cut tonight, we're very excited to have James Morgan with us. James is the president of IndieBox, our sponsor for tonight's show of the screeners, and he's a, uh, a longtime listener to the show. He loves movies. He certainly loves video games, and we're very excited to welcome you to the screeners podcast tonight. James, thanks for being here. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, so I guess the first question we want to get to is IndieBox. You know, in a day where everything is going away from the box, away from the instruction manual, every 
everything you can buy. You know, the day of release, you can download it directly to your systems at home. Tell us a little bit about what IndieBox is doing. You guys are taking a, a different approach, a different model. So tell us a little bit about uh, what the company is and, and kind of what the philosophy is and, and how you came to be. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. We are taking a different model. We we realize that nowadays you walk into your your favorite retail store like a GameStop or something like that and you're just looking at a bunch of DVD cases is what it boils down to and uh, you open it up and you've get you've got a half folded sheet of paper that tells you what the controls are in the disc and and that's about the end of your your gaming experience until you put the disc in and we I mean as a 30 plus year old guy I mean I kind of missed having something to open and something to read over mm-hmm. when I was growing up we we had you know a trip to the store and you got to look over all the boxes judging how fun a game was by the three screenshots on the back I mean these were the days before internet mm-hmm. so you got all your information from uh, game pro or something like that <laughs> there there was no like um, knowing everything before you got the game and so right. uh, we we felt that this is kind of like a lost art. And so the team and I decided to bring back the box. And so every month we're putting together an indie game that has just released in the last couple months or about to release whenever we release the box. And we're going to pack that box full of the things that you remember when you were a kid. And so we've re-engineered, um, uh, game cartridge of sorts we've got a full color manual in there that's you know 24 to 32 pages long we've also got a cd soundtrack with every single game on disc you can throw it in your cd player that's cool got bonus yeah it's (laughs) it's amazing Uh, and then we've also got lots of you know kind of tchotchke stuff where uh we've got button sets that are for the uh, the game that's being featured stickers for um indie box as well as the the company that made the game we've got lots of exclusives inside the manual for other games or musicians and with a link on that page to get something else uh on top of what's inside the box so we've got lots of great deals that are going to be inside this box to just kind of pump you up before you play the game and uh, we really want people to get back to that feeling of riding in their in in the backseat of your parents' car, reading that manual, hyping yourself up before you get home, and <laughs> and finally like putting the game into your console, or in this case, it would be in your computer, and and having a ball. So that that is kind of like a lost art to us, and we want to bring it back. That sounds very very cool. And you guys, it really awesome. sounds like you're packing a lot of a lot of value and a lot of stuff into each month. Let me ask you, uh, how do you guys go about selecting um, the game that you're going to highlight for the month? How do you pick the all the ancillary support material as well? And then more importantly, where can we play these games? Okay. Uh, so the first question is, how do we select the, the games? And right now, a lot of us are either indie developers or love lovers of indie games. And so we know a lot of the popular games that have released lately. And we reach out to those developers and they we tell them what we're doing. And so far, everyone has... has really come back with positive feedback and jump the chance to be an indie box. Uh, one of the good things about creating a physical product is that it doesn't interfere with any of the contracts with all the other digital publishers because ah, they're, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. yeah so Old this is like a subversion. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So this is like an added revenue um, channel for them. And so there's all the developers are super excited about it. And we we have a few sites that we we use for ranking and we make sure that the games are fun and that the general community thinks they're fun as well. And they stand up to a certain quality. Um, But, yeah, that's that's generally how the negotiation process goes. We, We have a great time with it. 
That's very, very, very cool. Um, so, so just if you don't mind, real quick, tell us just a little bit about what has happened from you know behind the scenes planning, the idea behind IndieBox to now. You guys are getting ready to. I know the site theindiebox.com is now live, and you guys are uh, mm-hmm. taking subscriptions yep. forward to the different plans. So, if you want to maybe tell us a little bit about some of the subscriptions, but well, but we also want to hear about kind of the process from the idea to where you guys are now releasing your very first game in May. Is that correct? That is correct. Mm-hmm. Well, right now, um, <laughs> the process was very grueling, to say the least. Sure. Um, we've, we've got some, in our team, we've got some manufacturing experience, but it's mostly stuff that anyone can go up to um, your your local store that does T-shirts or stuff or printing presses, and, and that's kind of the extent that we had in manufacturing. Sure. Um, so learning how to get boxes manufactured and, and have cartridges made that have nice cases that go around them and have nice color printing on them, all of this stuff was a very big learning process, and we've been working on this for about six months now but just to get to this point. And so um, – it's been fun. We've been very fortunate in the fact that all of our manufacturers for the different pieces have come back with really great prices. And the lower, the, the more that we sell, the lower the price of the box. Obviously, that's how it works. Sure. Um, but the good thing is the lower that we get the box price, the more money we can give back to the developers. Sure. And that's kind of the second mission. The, the first mission is bringing back the nostalgia, right? But the second part is really funding game developers because we're we're hitting a point now in in game development where it's a race to the bottom and that's something that you've you've seen in the last few years on the iphone or android app store where if it's not 99 cents or free people don't usually want to play it on on a whim and so we're seeing indie games do the same thing where if you're not underneath a um a five dollar price point or a ten dollar price point or on a holiday sale that's for three dollars you're not seeing a lot of revenue right so that's kind of the thought process of what went into creating indie box and why we're doing what we're doing well Um, we we definitely can get behind the idea of supporting indie game developers for sure and let me ask you this question you said you had re-engineered the cartridge so talk a little bit about that and how it's going to interface because i imagine a lot of people sitting at home that have an xbox or a playstation or uh are asking how can i play this and and where will it work First okay. of all, just describe what a cartridge is for people out there. <laughs> that's, that's a good point, John. Okay, so the cartridge uh, back in the day uh, was um, these huge plastic um, yes. boxes, basically, that you would plug into a Nintendo or Sega Genesis or something to that effect. And nowadays, all the cartridge, or excuse me, all the consoles use discs. Well. Um, we didn't want to create console games. A lot of the indie game developers create only for personal computers. So what we've done is we've re-engineered um, USB sticks to be inside of a cartridge that is a little bit bigger than a credit card. So it's not huge, um, but it's bigger than like a Game Boy game or something like that. That's cool. And the cool thing about this is that we can completely brand this cartridge. And so from... Side to side, it's completely printed with um, the the game's information or the graphics or something like that. And it's not a sticker like the NES used to have on, on their boxes, or excuse me, on their cartridges. Uh, but it's it comes in a nice plastic clear case, so it feels like it's something tangible. It's not just a USB stick that you could carry around on your keychain. It's nice. It's bigger than that. So that's when we say re-engineered the cartridge, we really have taken this 
something that is usually thought of to be a really expensive um, USB uh, mode of having a USB and made it into something that is really cool and part of the indie game culture. Yeah, that sounds cool. So what you're saying is that I won't be able to like blow hot air into That's this to get it to work. That's just what I was going to say. <laughs> I, was really, blow on it. I was really kind <laughs> of into the USB plug. It's just a That's tiny true. That's true. That's yeah. Uh, well, the the thing about the the game that you're you're asking about where can you play it? You can yeah, play it yeah. on your PC. Um, and every single game that we support and make a, a feature of ours will be for Windows, Mac, and Linux. So that's, that's one of the requirements. Great. What we don't want to happen is for someone to, to pay their, their subscription price and then get a game that they can't play because they don't have the right operating system. We that's just great. don't feel that's fair. Yeah, no, that's great. I was going to ask that. Is, is what, what computers, what is it going to be working with? So that's great to know that all three of those are, are supported. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So the, I look on uh, theindiebox.com for all our listeners. Make sure you go there to theindiebox.com. Take a look at the plans here. Check these guys out. I think you can already tell by listening to James. Their heart is in the right place, and we want to do everything we can to support these guys. Uh, you have a couple of, or actually three different subscription plans that are available. Uh, it looks like a, a one-month plan is sixteen ninety nine. A three-month plan drops down to fifteen ninety nine, and a six-month plan drops down all the way to fourteen ninety nine. And for all the value that that you're getting i have to say i don't even see how you guys are doing it because that's a great price for everything that that you're putting in the box for sure really yeah we we think that's a very aggressive price point and we're really excited about it because it really does allow us to give give back to game developers as well so i've got another question when are these shipping are, are you guys starting to do this already or when, when is the uh when's the full program up and running uh, we just started up. We launched the 31st. It was a race before April Fool's. We did not want to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. Launching a product on April Fool's is probably the worst idea ever. Oh, yeah. And so uh, we actually had somebody tweet us and say, is this for real? And yes, <laughs> it is for real. We are bringing back the box. <laughs> They're like, this and- can't be real. Are you talking about physical <laughs> media? Yes. Where do I place and the that cartridge? Was, that was Chris that sent that, actually. He said that. Yes. Oh, that's, that's funny. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, we're taking orders through most of April. We'll be cutting it off around the 18th to 20th. And at that point, we'll put in the orders through, to our manufacturers based on how many sales we get. And then we'll get the boxes ready and send them out um, within the first two weeks of May. Awesome. awesome. I came in not really knowing anything about the service, and now I am sitting here ready to subscribe. So I, I'm excited to see it. I love the mystery aspect of things, though, too. I, I don't think you've necessarily spoken a whole lot to that, but it's just fun because you get something in the mail, you don't really know what it is, open it up, and like you said, it's that feeling in the back of a car as you're you know driving home yes. and looking through. I, I love that. That's yeah. that's that's spectacular. Yeah. Plus, you yeah, get the, to support the indie creators, so that's yeah, awesome, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. To speak on the, the mystery part, one of the key points for having a mystery is that um, if you knew what the game was beforehand, you'd go research it. You would go look at the trailers right. and everything else. And that wasn't how it was done back in the day. Right. You know, it, it was just go look at the back of the boxes and, and judge it harshly <laughs> on your own. <laughs> and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. That's right. right. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Name of the game. I have so I have a whole box full of SNES games of things that is bought on a whim just thinking, oh, that looks cool. Maybe that'll be fun. And like you said, you couldn't just open up your smartphone and just kind of see what the score was on IGN. You literally just you went by, you know, I think I'll enjoy that. You bought it, you went home and enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, this first game, I'm I'm gonna tell you guys, it is absolutely gorgeous. All the assets in the game are hand painted, so it looks like um, you're almost playing a cartoon. It is just 
incredible looking. I cannot wait to share it with everybody and and really pump it up <laughs> once it's been revealed. But uh, I really think that everyone that gets this game is going to fall in love with it. Nice. Well, I know that I speak for the rest of the guys on the screeners, James, when I say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule as you guys are ramping up to launch to be here on the podcast. And I would just encourage our listeners one more time, check out the IndieBox.com. They're supporting the screeners, and we want to support them. It's going to be a product you love at a great price. You get a game. You get a box. You get a CD of the music. I mean, it's insane. And you get a cool cartridge. So um, check that out. That's the TheIndieBox.com, and they will help you out. James, thanks so much, man. We look forward to, uh, to following up in the future when the, the games start coming out. All right. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the main event. Directed by Darren Aronofsky, known for Black Swan and The Wrestler, and maybe even some of you remember a movie called The Fountain. It is a biblical take, or is it, on the tale of Noah? No. What did he say? He's going to destroy the world. My father said that one day, if man continued in his ways, the creator would annihilate this world. Can I not be averted? He speaks to you. You must trust that he speaks in a way that you can understand. I have men at my back, and you stand alone and defy me. I'm not alone. Remember, Noah, he chose you for a reason. Is this the end of everything? Beginning. Beginning of everything. So what I thought we would do tonight in order to keep this discussion under six hours is we would essentially take our general impressions of the film overall before we get too deep on our our personal histories and what we bring to the film. And let's just talk about the movie as a movie, if we can, uh, and give our general impressions and our thoughts about it. And then we'll dive a little bit deeper uh, into spoilers and some of our personal stories and backstory um, as it pertains to this film. So, Chris... What did you think about Noah? Wow, you shocked me. I didn't know it was coming to me first. Well, what did I think about Noah? You know, I went in expecting to be completely and totally put off by it. I heard a lot of rumblings in uh, several circles that it was going to be offensive and there were just going to be all kinds of just inconsistencies and it would be crazy and uh, probably not something I would really totally and completely enjoy. And uh, it turned out to be the exact opposite for me. I absolutely loved this movie. Wow. Um, it was it was it was quite interesting. You know, I'm one of those I'm one of these guys who likes to read the original book or text or whatever it is and then go in expecting the movie has to stand on its own right hey, so whether it's can sorry. i ask you a question i just sure. re- just for clarity's sake did you say you like to read the text what i was about to say is we had an earlier conversation about comic book right so if you get too bent out of shape, shape about the you know the comic book and the inconsistencies but i understand also obviously this is a religious text obviously from the bible You're and so the question <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, of course I do. And he the said he is, likes yes. to read comic books, Josh. I think he answered that's, it. That, that's, Please what I was, that's where I was going. That's where I was going with it. Thank you very much, Chad. Uh, anyway, so um, for me, though, 
Um, you know, I was I was expecting to be completely, you know, but I don't. I, there wasn't a whole lot that caught me in that way. It was more uh, just a really well told, well made story. There were some interesting uh, moments, uh, some some just really good filmmaking moments that. Oftentimes, when you watch a quote-unquote biblical story, it's usually pretty straightforward. They don't take a whole lot of artistic license. And I thought it was fairly refreshing to see a lot of these artistic licenses being taken that aren't necessarily not non-scriptural. They're just not in the script. Does that make sense? They're not in scripture. Um, and that's okay. Like he, he just kind of glued some of these, these things together that we get in this relatively short story in the book of Genesis. So for me, the movie as a whole was really enjoyable, exciting, tense. I mean, there's a scene at the very end of this movie where I was genuinely breathless. Um, and, uh, it was, it was good. I, I enjoyed it from beginning to end. It was, it was, it was quite a good, from quite a good time. Beginning to end. Okay. A strong endorsement from Chris. So Josh, what are your general thoughts about Noah? Should I aim for shorter than Chris's general thoughts? That would or... be easy. That would okay. be easy. Okay, that'd be better. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry, guys. He no, no, you were, you were, yeah, you were enthusiastic. This I was. Is, this is good. You this, can make up for me. I was. We're I was. About, yeah, we're about was, to get the anti-enthusiastic. So it's okay. I was. I was flooded with enthusiasm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I. I. I saw all the, you know, the Facebook buzz and the articles on both sides of this and of course biblical movie that it's just going to happen that way. Um and it's it's easy to say, you know, it's Darren Aronofsky and of course you shouldn't expect a literal interpretation, but you know, a lot of people still don't know who he is. I loved Pi, I loved The Fountain, I loved The Wrestler and I think Aronofsky is a genius and I think he's continued a lot of that genius he has not stopped being a genius when he made noah and i enjoyed most of the movie as well there oh, wow. when you see when you see a movie it is it's going to be interesting if none of us disagree oh yes that's you right are. spiritual armor <laughs> <laughs> oh he was talking about oh, real my armor goodness. sorry oh my gosh <laughs> And what? our Christian listeners I've, just no, I, I'm already there. Look, look, I've got a Bible right next to me. I'm ready to turn to the source material, my friend. Oh my gosh. Wow. Anyways, I when you like a movie as much as I like this, you want it to be perfect. And it's still there were strange concessions to plot structure and to what a movie is that kind of took away from what I thought the the filmmaking genius was in in the movie but i guess we'll get to some of this later when we talk about specific plot points overall though since i am familiar with the source material quite <laughs> familiar it it reintroduced not just the story of noah but parts of the entire old testament and some of the new as we will get to in a fresh way a way that's like chris said it's not necessarily non-scriptural it's it's thematically consistent with the source material. Yeah. It just doesn't happen to be verbatim there. Right. So overall, um, thumbs up. I mean, do we really have to cast Russell Crowe in things? But that's a different discussion. <laughs> right. There All right, go. Melody. So. Well, that was Josh's quote-unquote shorter version than Chris. Right. I think that was, yeah, so, I don't uh, think it was shorter so, at all. Jeez. Melody. Hey, uh, what I were, blame interruptions. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what were your general thoughts on well, Noah? 
I probably can't be shorter either, but I will try. Uh, <laughs> I loved this movie so much. Oh I, my God, I'm I in the know, Twilight Zone. I'm sorry you're in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> okay. But seriously, like, I went into it expecting to like it, to have some problems, to have some questions, to have some. Um, you know, actually, I am not a huge Darren Aronofsky fan as much as the rest of you probably what? are. I mean, he's fine, but I'm not like his number one cheerleader or anything. I, I'm not in love with him. This movie, I mean, I loved the experience of watching this movie more than I have loved a, a movie watching experience in a long time. And perhaps that was more because of like the the thought process that it evoked in me um, as far as like things that I'm wrestling with in my life. So that probably played a part into why I loved it so much. I do think there are plenty of problems with it. I, I had some problems with some of the visuals, some of the cinematography, some of those choices. I had some problems with a lot of the acting. I thought Jennifer Connelly and Anthony Hopkins were amazing. Russell Cro- Russell Crowe was fine. Everyone else was horrible, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> oh, the, come on, the rest- Emma Thompson. Uh, that was Emma Watson, and she was... Yeah, that's yeah. what a... Yeah, her name. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson, Emma Thompson, Emma Thompson, whatever. Well, it's called the whole thing. I would on. never... Well, anyways, <laughs> yeah, um, I thought she was terrible. <clears throat> but... Um, Man, I just, okay, I feel like when art has the capability to inspire, like, engagement with deep questions, it's, like, it's one of the most, like, inspiring and captivating and beautiful things that, like, exists in the world when you, when you find a, a piece of art that can do that and that can make you think about questions of what it means to be human and, and, and all of the religious stuff, too. But more than that, even, I just, I totally connected with so many things in this movie and, and... I don't know. I, w- I was expecting as far as like as far as the source material goes, I was expecting it to be like way out there, like way off of of what, you know, is of what is written. And I really didn't think it was like I didn't really think it was way off. I think that everything that I saw in that movie were theories, at least that I've heard before. I don't think there was anything in there minus a couple like visual um, choices um, that that I hadn't heard before. And I I really thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome, and I really want to know why Chad didn't go. <laughs> well, a little backstory for me. I, I am an unashamed fanboy of Darren Aronofsky. I love Pie, uh, Requiem for a Dream. Okay, The Fountain. I adore the Wrestler. Like I mentioned, I think in our last podcast, is in my top ten, possibly top five of all time movies. Uh, and I even love Black Swan. And what what you get with this movie, and it's it's impossible it's impossible to separate my knowledge and my upbringing of and, and the the role that the text, if you will, plays into my knowledge of what I'm going to see on the screen. But just as a movie, because so take all of that stuff out, because truthfully, I am I am I do not ascribe to all of the controversy. I am not getting all up in arms about what they're changing or the creative license that they needed to take because you, know, you do what you have to do, you know, to tell the story that you want to tell. I'm fine with all of that. And I'm super liberal when it comes to, you know, to creative license in, in film. But as a movie to me, this felt of all of his works, the most flat, the most, I even, I'm going to say it. I was bored in this movie. Wow. Um, oh my God. <laughs> I absolutely was for me. 
if, if it's an Aronofsky film, you're going to get a, a protagonist that is self-loathing and is very difficult to root for, and it, you possibly will hate them, uh, and they may be mad. I mean, it's a common theme in every one of his films with his protagonist. So the fact that right. he did that with Noah is certainly a creative license. Um, and I'm okay with that, but I think as a result, within the context of what this story is, it just didn't connect for me as much. And wow. I, I don't think that this movie necessarily asks a lot of questions more than it does posture-specific positions. Again, I don't have a problem with those. I don't have a problem with any of his agenda or any humanist kind of stuff that he's bringing to the table. But it was extremely, to me, a very simple, heavy-handed time after time, beat after beat, beat after beat, wow. uh, over two and a half hours. And so, Jeez. you know, it just it was, was only two hours. It's you two hours are and 20 so minutes. wrong. Yeah, we need to talk <laughs> about that. Let me tell you all the so, reasons why. So, <laughs> right. And so, wow. um, I feel, I feel like, and Mel and I were talking about this, I feel like they got the animals completely wrong. Like, yeah, <laughs> all well, the, they don't all look the real. things. Yeah, the animals <laughs> yeah. don't look real. There's yeah. no, no doubt about that at all. Um, all but that's because... Animals are better than humans, but we'll get into that later. So, oh my gosh, what are you talking? About? <laughs> That's totally That's true. true. That's oh, totally here true. we go. That's totally Even. true. And I, I feel like he, he, his, his perspective is interesting because he comes in as an outside party, reads the script, sees how he can make it. I mean, read the scripture, sees how he can make it more. He can make it interesting and turning it into a, a, a fantasy film that says something. And I think he achieved that in almost every way. I, I, I don't see it anything. says a lot again and again and again. And no, again. I don't. I, oh, well, we'll, we'll, stop we'll, we'll, it. It's totally no, no. true. You are so wrong. Like it's literally right. when I, when no. I was watching this movie, I had a smile on my face almost the entire time. I loved every second. Now I will admit in the so third glad act that, that worked for you, but shut you know. up in the third. Okay, in the third <laughs> act, I was like, "Wow, where is this going? I'm not sure I'm going to like where this ends up at all." I but can you see why people smiling. hate this. I was still smiling because <laughs> I freaking loved it, but it did. But it ended up in a great place. And if you did, if you missed that, then I'm sorry for you. I didn't. It was impossible to miss melodrama with that big of a broad stroke. It's impossible and to miss spoilers. it. Spoilers. <laughs> let's go. There's let's no spoilers. Let's, there. let's go into spoilers. We will no, go no, into spoilers. I'm just saying. Let's we will. Go. We will go to spoilers. But so we need to give our final rec- recommendations. Do yeah. you know? I think it's obvious that there are there are people out there that listen to this podcast that probably come from a background where there is a a Christian element. Uh, We have obviously plenty of listeners that are not. I know a lot of people I've heard have been worried, like you were, Chris, saying that you're going to be offended or whatever. So I think to wrap up before we go to spoilers, the question is, should you see this, yes or no? Is all this hype overblown? Uh, And what do you think? Uh, Josh, what do you say? Okay, that's really hard for me to answer succinctly, but... um, you shouldn't be offended, but I don't think you should be offended at anything. <laughs> if if you're not coming from a place of familiarity with the source material and an interest in what he did with it, then I wouldn't bother because, as the trailers have been saying, it's another Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah. If you're interested a- in exploring good these one. things. <laughs> well, Shut okay. up. It's not Aronofsky's best movie. I will give you that. Um, it is definitely interesting. Um, so it's a... It's kind of a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a cautious recommendation from me. Okay. I found it interesting, but I'm not, I'm not so sure as a standalone thing, knowing nothing or knowing little about the story and not being interested in it. Chris? Yeah, I mean, again, the thing that's most interesting for me is that I love to have philosophical, theological discussions and this film if you have any background in that and that and those 
those areas um, and you like you go see it with a group of people. You know, we talked about this movie for two and a half hours after we got out of it, maybe even longer than that. And and it was just one of those movies that is a conversation starter. But I think the movie itself is also a very good story. I, I enjoyed every bit of it. And I'd say if you go see it with a group of friends, you're going to have a conversation on your hands. It's 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 good. Okay, Melody, I think you are going to recommend it, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, if <laughs> if you have any interest in engaging the source material, for sure see it. If you enjoy epic fantasy at all, for sure see it. And I would say to those, like, with the evangelical Christian viewpoint, being concerned if it's going to preach things that you don't believe, like, uh, yeah, I do think it does preach some things that I don't necessarily believe. But what I love about that is that I can watch it and I can still have my own opinions and I can say, hey, this is what I don't agree with and this is why I don't agree with it. And I'm not saying it asks questions like it doesn't ha- take a viewpoint. It does take viewpoints on things. Yes, but the question, But the questions that it, that it makes you ask yourself about about what it means to be human, about what it means to engage with the creator, like those questions are Phil, there, there's so much in this movie to like engage that way, no matter what you believe. And I, I don't think that just because it takes a certain viewpoint on something means that you shouldn't watch it. I think you should watch it and you should form an opinion about it. So no matter what your what your religious background is, I think that you can watch this and come away from it better because you can engage questions that are important to you and you can and you can make your own um, decisions about what you think about it. I agree with that. I definitely, I would say that you can, if you want to see this movie, you should see it. Don't let the the folly of you may be offended or, you know, if if your faith, for lack of a better term, is so shaky that you seeing a film like this is going to wreck you then you you might have other issues there uh just just see the movie um i would say if you don't have anything uh any relation to the source material and you're going just because you've heard it's epic you will be epically disappointed because on that regard i think it fails a lot Uh, i don't think that it's thrilling or particularly exciting there are certainly moments that are marvelous but over the course of the the full duration of the of the film, I think you'd have a hard time just enjoying it without bringing some context to it. Uh, so I'd be, I guess, I'd be with Josh with kind of a cautious recommend. Just ba- it is certainly interesting if you are so interested and so inclined. It will, it can lead to conversation. So it's something that is it is worth at least exploring in that regard. So with that in mind, let's move to spoilers. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? But there's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware of what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. In the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up. This movie, <laughs> I don't know how anybody can just watch this movie and say, all right, it's so- a good action movie, it's a good thrilling anything it's just it's not those things it's just not so is that okay so, fine but who doesn't know who doesn't care about the source material like 
It's an interesting story, and there. What is Lots it like? Lots of people don't I, care I, about it. A lot, exactly. I don't. There's my, like oh, more than two hundred different civilizations in the world that have a flood story sure. as part of their like. Sure. Story yeah, that doesn't heritage. mean people care. Right. Yeah. My well, whole... then they're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, Chad. Yeah. Yes. Lay out. Lay out your uh, the, the biggest things that bothered you because obviously well, the three of us have a little bit more of a positive sure. slant on it's that. not that there is one big glaring huge glaring thing i think it is very preachy i think it lays its cards on the table early and and rings that bell over and over which ones are those I'm, yeah I'm what, what are it's what it's cards? It okay okay calm down because <laughs> i've heard this but i'm, I'm just so, curious all right so it's obvious that noah is is wrestling with uh, first of all let me say this i agree with melody i do think that it essentially covers all the beats that are in the Old Testament. It has God. Yeah. It has a, a creator, whatever you want to call it. It has, you know, him destroying the earth because of their, uh, what they have done, what they have done to his creation and what they do to each other. It has judgment. It has redemption. It has all that stuff. <clears throat> so I don't understand the stuff about people complaining about uh it deviating, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't understand that. There are some deviate, some creative licenses, but not a lot of stuff. Yeah. One of the themes though, for me is that it's, it's clear that Noah is wrestling with justice and mercy throughout the story. That's, and that's a good idea for a theme. It really is because justice without mercy is, you know, kind of cruel. Mercy without justice is also cruel. And, and part of this may be because I, I'm such an Aronofsky fan that I've listened to a lot of interviews and all that stuff. And he has, he has said he is an atheist, but more importantly, he said he is, is a humanist. And humanists believe that the measure of all things in man is not created in God's image, but that God is essentially created in man's image. So it makes sense that in this movie, essentially what's happening is God is an extension of man's imagination, and God is trying to learn to be merciful Okay? okay, so the agenda that he's pushing, perfect example is the cliched uh, bad guy. Okay, he, to, what's his name, Tubal Cain or whatever, Tubal right? Cain. So, yeah. you know, all through the movie, he talks about things like private property rights and owning land, and he hunts and eats animals. And that one scene on the ark where he's, you know, talking to Noah's son, they're literally playing like bad guy music as he eats the head of the animal, you know, yeah. it's like, it's so ridiculous and on the point. It's like, this is bad. This is bad. And he keeps, and Tubal Cain keeps emphasizing man is created in the image of God and we're supposed to be superior to animals and we are supposed to subdue them and have dominion over them. All the while he's, you know, back in his little town, they're raping and murdering and pillaging and all that stuff. So for me, it was impossible to separate the message that, you know, that that is all bad yeah. And the opposite is all good. And I think that theme is was carried so, all the way through the film, so much so that it just, any thematic resonance with me was broken. Not because I was offended. I wasn't offended. I'm, I'm extremely difficult to offend in any regard. But just because I thought it was a less interesting story at that point to me. I mean, that is, again, like I heard, I read an article about them talking about like this, like, oh, he's not supposed to hunt. And, uh, you know, he's a, you know, at the very beginning, he chastises the son for trying to pick a flower and uh, he's a, you know, hippie. But 
the truth <laughs> of the matter is. Well, no, that's how it was. Pre-flood, exactly. Pre-flood, it was. You're not supposed to eat right. meat. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I no, I I agree with that. I'm just talking about in the. I think that Aronofsky is not subtle enough in this movie. This movie is, is probably more frustrating to me because a movie like The Wrestler and even a movie like Black Swan, it asks very interesting questions about all kinds of different things in those films but it to me is very subtle whereas I couldn't allow myself to enjoy this as much as I wanted to because it felt to me so heavy-handed I didn't want it to Mm. be that and especially once they got on the boat you freaking hate Noah because there is like literally no redemptive qualities in what he's doing it's just it's madness and so and it's so don't you love that hold on Go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> oh, I, I thought everyone was going to keep talking. No, okay. go ahead. Um, so the thing that I I understand, Chad, your hatred for the villain and that whole construct, and Tubal Cain and his army of people assaulting the Ark was pretty ridiculous. But I I think the focus, and since we've gotten to the part of Noah getting on the Ark with his family, I think the the focus and the great interesting question of the movie was what if God isn't always talking in plain language like he was to Noah in in Genesis telling him exactly mm-hmm. how yes. how big to build the ark and all this stuff sure. and what if God is silent and obviously Let's he was choose. that whole time yeah. and what what do you do when you thought you were given this mission and suddenly you don't know where to take it mm-hmm. the only thing you can think of to do is to complete it as much as you can and how does that lead to some of the conflict in the world even that we see today in the world of people not hearing clear messages and thinking they have something to do right yeah and and again yeah. oh sorry go ahead melody go ahead well i was just going to say like to the to the motivations of tubal cain or whatever i i feel like that is such an interesting question to ask, though, of like why, assuming you believe this is a true story, like what could man have, have done that was so horrible that that God literally had to kill them all? And I feel like they could have taken it. They could have taken it so much worse. And I realize it was a PG-13 rating or whatever, but uh, the the humans weren't like that terrible. You know what I mean? The like their biggest sin was saying that they were equal to God. That's what their biggest sin was, saying they were equal to God, which is what, I mean, if you if you want to, like, look at the actual scripture, like, that's what Satan's sin was, was saying he was equal to God. Like, that's why he was cast out of heaven, and that's what that's what the humans were doing. And But honestly, like, I think that there's there is a lot of, of areas to resonate with Tubal Cain, like, when he is in that, when he's in that um, shed or whatever, like, yelling to God, like, why won't you answer me? Why won't you talk to me? Like, dude, I feel like I've had that, those conversations with God, and, like, he hasn't answered me either. And I don't know. I, I feel like you didn't completely hate the guy. Like, I know that, you know, the overarching preachy thing with the eating the whatever animal that was, that was dumb. But I don't know. I feel like there was so me- so much room for, like, questions of of like why did god do this and and what was the actual sin that that led to the world being destroyed and the part about uh, the part about noah like you hating him by the time he's on the ark i love that i love that it's not just like some 
some story about some guy that heard completely from God and understood exactly what he was doing and was totally fine with watching the entire population of the world be destroyed. Like, of course that would make you go crazy. Of course that would make you go crazy. I love that he told the story that way. And I love that Noah had to re- wrestle with, with the questions that he was wrestling with. I, I, oh, I just thought it was so great. Exactly what you said, Josh. Like, what do you do when, you're, when you feel like you're on a mission and then suddenly you are lost in that mission? And what do you do? I agree. I agree totally that having an ambiguous uh, motivation is always more interesting. But to me, it wasn't. There was no subtlety. It was literally madness from the time that he got on the boat. And he, uh, yes, he had one scene where he kind of looked up into the skies or whatever. And so there was just no, there was no gray. It was all black and all white to me. And so just what? as a result, yeah, it uh, was. I don't know Gray to who? What was, gray, what was black can, and white? I can see that a little His, bit. The bad people are bad. The good people nope. are. Yes. It's are you kidding clearly me? clearly black and white. Look, Noah but, is black and white? Yeah, Noah's t- completely gray. I don't think so at all. I don't think so well, at all. Well, which is he? Which is he? I think he's white the whole time. It's clear that his motivations, yes, it is you in the made-up story of the familiar melodrama that happens on the boat. And it's crazy town, guys. That 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 whole 45 minutes that we're on the boat, it's it's crazy town. But whatever. If that's, you know, that's he ha- <laughs> yeah, they got to do no, they you're gotta, right, you're right. They got to do something it, on the boat. It, okay, well, I'll give you that. Pretty, it's and so, crazy. you know, my, my my whole thing with that is that I never doubted for one second that he would not kill those babies. I never doubted that. And it's not because the Bible says he didn't because all that stuff's not in the Bible. I just knew to me, there was never any doubt. And I I can't, I can't speak to why it connected with you, Melody, for what, you know, the questions it made you consider. I can just speak to from a narrative standpoint and from an emotion. I can tell you this, the only time I got emotional in the entire movie, and I did, I got a little dusty. It was at the confrontation between uh, Noah and his wife when she was yeah. talking yeah. about cried. how we will hate you. And all. Now, I, yes. I did. I cried there. We'll die hated and alone. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I t- that totally worked for me. But that's the only time in the full two and a half hours where I had any kind of emotional impact. And in a movie based on a sacred text, at least in my life, I would expect, and even if it's, you know, just 5% of what's in the, in the actual scripture, I would expect to have some sort of emotional pull one way or another. But to me, it was so clearly drawn from the beginning into wow. the end that I, it just didn't work. It just didn't work for me. Just for I me. I don't know. It was, for me, it was part of the, not just Noah himself um, was drawing me into the movie, but part of it for me was the set pieces around Noah. And we haven't, we focused a lot about on what happened on the ark, but one of my favorite parts was the Watchers. Oh, so good! These mm. these creatures, these fallen angels who have been there for thousands of years now, who came to Earth, disobeyed the Creator to try to help people, yes. and they die doing it and are redeemed, and it foreshadows the entire New Testament. Mm-hmm. And amazing, yep. dude. visually reminds you of this is the end, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but, uh, but that was for me. I, that was actually a touching that moment. So it was no, a it touching was, moment. But when they also I when they say that. The, that the creator forgives, like that was amazing. That was like home or whatever. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, the, yeah, the creator brings them takes, home. Yeah, it takes yeah. Them home. It was just it was like one of those like oh wow. So there is because because again like you just. Um, 
Chad, you're talking about how like uh, he is a humanist and God is a, but no, God actually exists in this movie. Like, the, sure, I'm talking I mean? about like, Aronofsky in general is a humanist. I, I understand. I, I think the movie says, to me, it clearly says that God was not merciful. That God had to learn right. to be merciful, just like Noah did. And I, no, exactly, it completely I, I, does not say that. I in think the it end does. Conversa- no, in the end conversation, when Emma Watson is talking to Noah. She says he picked you because he knew that you would choose mercy because, you know, I think like and I obviously don't know what Darren Darren Aronofsky was thinking. But in my personal opinion, I think that in this story, God did tell Noah to kill those babies. Uh, Like, I think that Noah really thought that that's what God had said. Okay, but that's two different things. I believe Noah maybe thought that. I don't believe God said that. God didn't say anything once they got on the boat. He didn't know. How do you know? How do you know that? Every other time can, that Noah only, thought he heard from... I can sorry, only ahead. know, every time that he heard from God in the beginning, he had a dream or a vision. And yeah, then all right. that stopped. So I can only intuit what I see. And right. just because Emma Watson has one line at the end of a two and a half hour movie that says, oh, and by the way, this happened, that doesn't give a pass to the first two hours and 25 minutes of what I have actually seen on the screen. But, but you have to remember, though, that this is, this is a completely earth-changing in every single way, way that God dealt with humans, the way God dealt with uh, our salvation, the way that, I mean, the flood is a defining moment and, and God's attitude toward his people changed in that moment. No, ma- no matter how you read scripture, this is a completely earth changing moment in history, right? And so I feel like for me watching that, it was an amazing point for God to say, okay, now you have the choice to choose. What is the future. What does it look like? I'm giving you free will and allowing you to choose. Like for me, that was great. Rather than God dictating like he had and seeing everything go awry, God is now saying, Noah, I give you the chance. Are you going to kill and end everything or are you going to have mercy and allow this to continue? But he's saying that, but with the understanding, supposedly, depending on what you right. believe, I agree. Yeah. with the understanding that he already knew what choice yes, Noah was going to make, and that's why he chose, he chose Noah. Exactly. That That is it. Absolutely. So I, I have two counterpoints to what you just said, Chad, about this being a God's journey of learning how to be merciful. That's one from the movie and one outside of the movie. No, no, hold on, hold on. One from the movie, one outside of the movie. Number one... Um, we just talked about the watchers and that redemption scene. Mm-hmm. And so we can't then turn back the clock and suddenly God doesn't know how to be merciful again when I'm we talking get about to the towards ark. humans, towards humanity. Humanity is off always in this movie the target, for lack of a better term. That's the truth. I'm not talking about in general. I'm talking about God's the attitude that towards still humanity. Finds redemption that still gets another chance. That's one way to look at it. That's one way to look oh, at it. That's yeah, what the story that's literally is, Chad. <laughs> well, not through Noah's eyes. That, not exactly right. No, no, I, I'm not even saying, I'm just saying, like, if you if you say the word Noah, somebody maybe hasn't even seen the film, like, what you're saying is... But we're is, not talking about... I understand, we're talking but about I mean, the film. I understand, but the story is that. I mean, when you when you take a step back, that is what the story is, is literally all about. But go ahead, continue. Sorry. Go ahead, Josh. Well, well my, my second kind of question was also you see this in the old testament itself you see this like when god's going to destroy sodom i I think it's sodom and he's going to destroy the entire town and whoever it is at the time lot or noah is or moses is arguing 
wow, I can't even remember the names now. Anyways, whoever is the righteous person in this scenario, I think it's Lot, is arguing back and forth with God and getting him to say, okay, I'll spare five people, I'll spare ten people. Right. And th- mm-hmm. this whole kind of mercy negotiation thing goes on in, in the scripture. So I think sure. that's another way in which the movie is kind of faithful. Mm-hmm. To the source I, I, would, I would agree with that, except in in that scenario that you're talking about there, God is the ultimate decision maker in who is merciful. And in this movie, Noah is. And that, for me, that's a problem. Oh. Listen, we're talking about points <laughs> and counterpoints, so, so right? Reactions. So, yeah. you know, Let's, you see in this movie, it's all up to man. God, sure. is, God sure. is not the one to decide that man is even worth saving, that mankind is even worth saving. Man is, and that's because Aronofsky is a humanistic a person and that's okay i'm not coming down against him i'm just saying those threads yeah pull me out of the movie in this movie even though god certainly exists it's a belief in god uh but man ultimately makes the decisions of value and dignity and and the of the human race and so to me that pulled me out or or at least stopped so me from fully embracing it i wanted to hey man i went into this like I can't wait to tell all my friends that are like, don't go see that movie, that it's the greatest thing ever. Because I want to love <laughs> things. I want to love movies, right? So I went in here as open as I could, but it just didn't. I don't hate this movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't think it's constructed poorly. I just think, to me, what I read as I watched it, the, the subtext became so heavy that it, it was just too much of a weight for me to bear and still let myself just completely embrace the film. I can appreciate the fact that there are some big questions at play here. There's no doubt questions about the universe and judgment and does God exist and does he love and capable of all kinds of things. And if for nothing else, that the fact that this movie exists and enables us to have conversations like that, then it's certainly a worthy endeavor. So, you know, I, I yeah. cheer the fact that it happened and I'm, I'm very happy that it's made a decent amount of money. I think it's going it, to by far the highest grossing movie of, of Aronofsky's career for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's probably the most approachable as well. I mean, from yeah, definitely from, from that standpoint. Although now I want to watch The Fountain again. Yeah, that's great. And then I, I want to watch Tree of Life, and then I want Tree of Life Darren Aronofsky and one. Terrence Malick to do a story about a movie about the Book of Job or something. Tree of Life is my oh, top let's do movie it. of all time. Oh, jeez, not time. Job. No, yeah, Job is messed up. Um, okay, well, anything else that we want to talk about? Anything specific? Do we want to talk about? Um, Probably need to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. I mean, there's so much more that could be talked about. But I, Chad, I appreciate your viewpoint. Like, I really do because I really could not understand why somebody wouldn't like this movie unless they were just super, you know, evangelical, straight-laced or whatever. So I do appreciate your viewpoint. I just, like, I feel like... This discussion that we've just had is the reason why I like the movie. And even though, you know, the director had a subtext that maybe that's what he was saying. I think there was enough in it to say that maybe that's maybe not what he was saying, that you can look at it either way. And and that choice of how you look at it is it's just good to engage it. And I I feel like it's a, a good opportunity to engage these questions in a fun and entertaining way and this is why we do the screeners podcast right so we can have these kind of conversations that we think are meaningful and exciting and i think this film does it um even if it's not in chad's opinion not a good film or the best it could be right i still think it is a it is uh, it is a good film it's just not it's just disappointing because i had super high expectations sure sure. you're listening to the screeners podcast All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Screeners Podcast. Once again, thanks so much to our sponsor for this episode, IndieBox. Go to theindiebox.com and check them out. 
It's fantastic. I know I'm going to go and sign up right now. We've talked enough. It's your turn. Go look us up on Facebook where you can like our page for updates. And this week, if you go like our page, you'll be entered to win our top movies of 2013. So definitely another incentive to get over there and like our Facebook page and, and keep uh, keep posted on the things that are happening in the world of the Screeners Podcast. While you're there, let us know what you think of the episode. Stop by ScreenersPodcast.com to read our show notes or send us an email at ScreenersCast at gmail.com to tell us what you'd like to hear about in future shows. And don't forget, real fans leave iTunes reviews. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.